Hello everyone. Today you have Jake and we're going to be discussing WandaVision Season 1 Episode 6. So before we begin, I just want to make a quick note. I realize I haven't really been diving as deep as I could into all the TV references and comic book Easter eggs and MCU references that I could be, but I just want to note that in my research early on, I just found that there are so many of all of the above that it, it ended up being... it. It was just a rabbit hole I, I, I couldn't climb out of. There are just so many of those references each episode. You can spend more time talking about them than the actual show or characters or plot. So uh, I kind of like to cut myself off at a few per episode and really what I think are just most important because I don't want to lose the sight of forks of the trees with all these little details and Easter eggs. All right. Oh, and I also want to leave some details and topics available for Seth and I to discuss in the future. In case we want to circle back and discuss the series in a larger format. All right. On to the episode itself. So episode six, in terms of the sitcom setting or references, it feels a little bit more like the 2000s as opposed to the 90s uh, with the Malcolm in the Middle references. So it kind of feels like it's skipping the 90s. And I've heard people kind of gripe about that. But I think it's honestly a little nitpicky. Malcolm in the Middle aired on January 9th, 2000. So I, I really considered a product of the 90s, and that was clearly still a 90s audience in 2000. <clears throat> and one more thing, just the Westview Theater, the two, uh, the two films are The Parent Trap, which was 1998, and The Incredibles 2004. So I think it makes it pretty clear they're trying to mesh the decade around that integral time, around two, 2000, 2001. And... Uh, also, one more thing. I feel like the something about Vision's Adventures in the Neighborhood Watch and the Halloween aspect just kind of felt, reminded me of those goofy TGIF comedies uh, in the 90s. So I, I get the gripe that they're either skipping the 90s or double dipping, but I mean, I'm not that worried about it, But or at least I'm not too upset about it. Um, okay. One more note. Wanda, Vision, and Quicksilver all wear their traditional comic book costumes, and so do Tommy and Billy, uh, or at least of their future characters in the comics. Um, all right, now I'm just going to quickly talk about the plot. Again, not gonna, just going to talk a very top line, not going to go too deep uh, into the plot itself. Don't really enjoy doing those type of recaps, but just some top line things. As I kind of mentioned before, it is Halloween in Westview. And Wanda gets reacquainted with her dead Pietro. And just to remind everyone, that's now played by uh, Evan Peters, who played Pietro in the Marvel uh, universe. And it seems that they both remember each other vaguely, but that there's they both have gaps in their memory. We'll come to that later. The twins, Billy and Tommy, continue to develop new abilities, tensions, and lead a confrontation of violence amongst the sword agents outside the bubble as Hayward deems what I'm not calling the power trio of Darcy, Jimmy, and Monica as just being too sympathetic towards Wanda. And inside the bubble, Vision and Wanda literally push the limits of Westview's bubble in different ways. In terms of new characters, there aren't any new characters, actually. Uh, we do get more clues into the mystery. And granted, some of these aren't clues so much as statements or statements or facts, but I think they'll lead to the larger mystery. So a couple of the clues. Pietro first says, damn it, if Westview isn't as charming as hell. Quote from Pietro, another religious reference. I think that's a clue towards Mephisto. 
Clue 2, it's the Yo Magic commercial. It's another one of the TV commercials. And in this one, it's a hungry boy on a deserted island. And a shark swims up, offers to help feed him with something called Yo Magic, which is the yogurt. And after claiming to be in a similar spot and using it to feel better, the boy takes it. And he withers away before her eyes. And what's a really morbid, creepy scene is he's unable to actually open the magic, open the yogurt to eat it, or actually to use Yo Magic. For me, I think the analysis here is pretty straightforward. Someone approached Wanda, tricked her into using her magic, literally yo magic, to escape the isolation of grief. However, this is a shark which she's dealing with, to switch metaphors. And sorry, to switch metaphors, just like a scorpion, the shark can't change their nature. They're a predator. So the idea here is that the shark doesn't have the boy's best interest at heart. It's more likely to eat him than help him. And I think, or, and here we see it just tortures him. And that doesn't even eat him, which is cruel, which is evil. And this, again, I think kind of points towards Mephisto. Clue three. I mentioned this before, Pietro and Wanda's memory gap. Both of them struggled to understand how they came to Westview. Uh, and this conversation lends further credence to the notion that Wanda is as much a victim here, or at least being manipulated in some manner, as opposed to being the outright villain. Number four, Agnes's pleas and cackle. She recognizes, so Agnes is Vision is able to just release her from Wanda's thrall at the edge of the bubble. Then she recognizes Vision as an Avenger, pleads for help. When he he says something, but he agrees to help. And then she questions his ability to actually help, telling him nobody's allowed to leave. Wanda won't let them even think about it. She then says cryptically, all is lost before breaking out in these maniacal cackles. This would indicate she's as much a victim as anyone else and might be nothing more than a red herring, but my eye is still on her. Just something weird about the cackle. I'm, we haven't seen that from anyone else. It's, so just say that. There's also a couple other things there, but we'll come back to it. Um, clue five. This is part of the same conversation. Vision mentions he is an Avenger. and he, I mean, excuse me, he mentioned he is Vision. He wants to help. But what's an Avenger? So again, just further shows specific holes where some of those gaps in the memory are. Clue six. Monica mentions meeting their guy, and that's someone who can help get her back into the hex. Uh, we, I, we wonder who that is. Have we met them? I'm guessing it's going to be an Aegis of S.H.I.E.L.D. character, maybe Maria Hill or Mac. I don't think we're going to get Captain Marvel here or one of the big movie stars. But yeah, my, my money's on an Aegis of S.H.I.E.L.D. character, hopefully. Number seven, Monica Rambeau. We mentioned, I mentioned previously in the comic book, she ends up being an Avenger. Her, she's now been through the boundary twice. We find out that she's been changed at the molecular level and she wants to go back through. But the warning here is they don't know what that will do to her molecularly. Spoiler alert, I'm assuming this is going to have something to do with her power. Number eight, Darcy reveals that Hayward has a secret program called Cataract. And it Clearly has something to do with Vision. This likely goes back to the convo between him and Monica in episode four when he welcomes her back and informed her that S.W.O.R.D. was now developing weapons in addition to monitoring them. This probably explains his hostility towards the power trio. Again, Darcy, Jimmy, and Monica. Uh, again, that explains his hostility towards them in some manner because he likely he's under aware of all their mutual histories and apparently affinities with heroes. For Monica, it's Captain Marvel. For Darcy, it's Thor. And for Jimmy Woo, it's Ant-Man. So there was a lot of clues, a couple different things there. One, we have the mystery 
outside of Westview, we have Hayward's motivations. We have a lot of hints towards Monica Rambeau's either power developing or something happening to her for going through the barrier now twice and wanting to go through a third time. There's a lot happening here. Stories beginning to expand. So in, ter in terms of a recap, we're, we're finally getting a bit of action uh, in the episode two with the power trio's escape from custody. We also get Wanda tossing Quicksilver aside for a rude comment. And spoiler alert, there's an expansion that occurs at the end of the episode that's a pretty big action sequence, I'd say, at least for the show, not in terms of the movies, but it's one of the more exciting active sequences, I'd say. Uh, in terms of this episode and overall in the series, really, I've said the acting, I've cited it a few times. I think the chemistry between Elizabeth Olsen and Evan Peters is great. Uh, I love the ambiguous nature of their conversations. Like, there's clearly an underlying tension as they're feeling each other out. I love how they, and they literally voice the literal concerns everyone has over casting someone. It just feels very meta, which I love. And I also just think it's an effective way of, of dealing with it and, and just adds to the otherworldliness of the setting and the show. I also love the chemistry of the twin actors who are uh, Billy and Tommy, who are Julian Hilliard and Jet Klein. Uh, one of the things I loved was Vision finally took some action this week and has has pretty catastrophic effects as it leads to his, again, without going too much into it, spoiler alert, he pushes, what's, he wants to know what's outside the bubble, he walks outside, it has a very harmful effect on him. His One of his sons is able to sense him through his developing powers and Wanda, sensing something's wrong, pushes and expands the bubble a massive amount to save visions of life. Okay. I'm just gonna talk about, that's what I really liked about the episode, there's kind of my takeaways. I'm gonna take a minute here to talk about the show in a larger sense. So kind of, we're at the two thirds mark way. I gave my thoughts in a larger sense to episode four. So now it feels a good time again to kind of plant the flag in the ground and reassess the series, give a little score or something. I'm going to say this, I, I, I like the show, and the best things about it, I think, are one, the novelty of the structure of its structure and its nature is a mystery, and, and I think that's great, especially within the larger action-focused MCU, especially the last several films we've had, very action, CGI, set-piece heavy. I think this is a smart, subtle story. Um, those might not be the right way to describe it, It's but... It's so different than the other X-Men film, uh, the X-Men, Marvel films. It's really effective. And I think the off, it's offsetting in a good way for me, offsetting the pal. Okay, spend too much time on that. Number two, I really like the opportunity for lesser known or less acclaimed characters like Wanda, Vision, Darcy, Jimmy Woo, all being given the opportunity to shine. I, I like it for the actors. I think giving the media roles beyond just being walking punchlines or MacGuffins or exposition machines. I, I think they are rewarding Marvel for the opportunity, or at least in my opinion, by giving really good performances. Three, just excellent use of MCU comic book and TV reference, TV references, Easter eggs, all those things. It's the, the perfect type of fan service. It gives Uber fans things they can enjoy as cherries on top of the Sunday, but they are not required by casual fans to understand what's going on. Four, I love the world. Just the, I think it's excellent world build, building, especially showing post-snap, post-endgame conditions of the world, what's going on. I think maybe taking place within the first month after is an interesting setting. Usually they set these things months, a year apart. 
the story, but I, I like that. I think it shows how raw everyone is from post snap plus endgame. I think that will play into probably Hayward's actions and maybe some other people's actions as well. Like obviously Wanda's and probably others people's. Five, just overall excellent acting, direction, production value. It's the quality that Marvel always brings. I know some people don't like that feel. Sometimes it could feel a little homogenized or commercial or lack originality or spirit, whatever you want to say. I like it clearly. So it works for me. And I just think it's really high value, especially for, for it being a show, being the first show. I'm really impressed with the quality of the output so far. Okay. Those are really long things of, I, of what I like because there are a few things that I do not love. Mainly we're in episode six, and while the question of the mystery of Westview has been clarified over the last three episodes, its actual progress in terms of development up until this point is just leaving me a bit unsatisfied. As we discussed in previous episodes, the humor of the, humor of the first few episodes has given away to an undercurrent of horror and anxiety, which to me undercuts even like the funniest, hammiest, or cliched lines all those that I think they were able to play for last early in the show, and as it slowly turned towards this more horror meta aspect, now those have a lot more menace to them. And that works if you want it to be menacing, but not if you're trying to use it to diffuse the tension with comedy. And I think they might have leaned a little too heavily on it in the early episodes. I just feel like it's the way it's working now is in a menacing way, which I think they like, but I don't think there's enough humor to offset it for me. And where I'm at now is the show's funny, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. There's not tons of action, and we get time to spend. We have time that we get to spend with a new old character this week, Pietro. There's finally a development in the sword storyline, but it's really just kind of movement on the perimeter. We haven't really made actually any progress with the central story over the last few episodes. We still know what we know. Wanda is in control how much we don't know some pulling the strings we're not sure it doesn't seem like it but there might be and then on top of that vision is aware something's wrong but what's he's finally does something at the very end of the episode but we don't we have to wait to next week to find what uh, find out what's going on i could be eating my words by next week but this is what i would say the first three episodes felt like setup i thought they were necessary to establish the mystery and then clearly the next few episodes has been building on that mystery in Westview while showing the investigation outside. I just don't feel like we've seen enough progress in the investigation of these episodes, in my opinion. And not to rewrite it, I'm, again, I'll probably be eating my words by the time I watch the next episode, episode seven. But I just feel like episodes five and six were really well done stall episodes. And for TV fans who know that TV fans who watch a lot of serialized shows uh, or the, the season-long narratives, and I'm talking about the heroes, the lost, the Breaking Bads, although Breaking Bad never had more than 20 episodes. People know what I'm talking about. For Breaking Bad, it's the episode The Fly, and that was loved by critics, but I personally hated it. An episode of that in Heroes, at least season one, would be Hormone Glasses, and it's a full episode. They take to explain the background of one background supporting character and it'd be really effective and cool so for me this is what this is what i'm saying about the show episode five episode four was interesting but not great episode five felt great to me and despite having a character and actor return in a major role that i love i'm just starting to feel unsatisfied 
So I'm actually not going to give it a score yet. There's just no point. We're still too many variables out there. But I'm just going to say, while I'm interested and excited for the next episode, I'm getting anxious. I need something to happen, whether it's more stories, action, humor, horror, whatever. But surprise me in episode seven. I think the show's in this weird spot where it's kind of straddling too many things. And it's a jack of all trades, master of none. But it's not really a jack of all trades either. It's just kind of an average Joe of all trades, if you would. Uh, at least by episode six. I know that it's really harsh after the first five episodes, but again, just after reassessing and taking it from a larger larger step back, realizing we're two-thirds through and just not a lot's happened. So I'm going to say there, I'm asking them to surprise me in episode seven. I'm sure they will. That being said, it's time to say goodbye. Thank you for your time. One last time, I'm sure I'm going to be eating my own words about this show by my next recap. But until then, have a good one. Thank you and good night.